All right, friends, listen up. The What's Right Show is coming straight at you here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Sam Marjofsky, your host, local attorney, a truth teller, and common sense conservative, bringing a little bit of a reason into this chaotic world. Uh, I, this now, a story about Trump and what's going to go down in New York. You've heard, of course, that uh, Alvin Bragg, the DA there in Manhattan, uh, putting together, I, I, as we understand it, the finishing touches on a totally nonsensical, bogus case. Um, I, I'll tell you, um, I look at this now, and I have to read it for the political context that it's presenting itself in and what it's creating on the back end. Now, what I mean by this is the, the case itself, and I explained this yesterday, it's, it's a very weak case. There are problems with the statute of limitations. There are problems fundamentally with bringing this case as a felony, uh, depending on who the judge is, unless, unless it's a, some absolute left-wing fanatic. I would expect that Trump's attorneys are successful in perhaps even having this case booted from court before it goes to the jury. So th- this, the case... You know, as a uh, you know, factually and legally, it's it's problematic, but it's already caused tremendous ripples in the presidential contest. Of course, I'm talking about the Republican primary. And yesterday, I dove into this head first, and I took you through comments in a press conference that were uh, uttered by Governor Ron DeSantis, who is the presumptive main challenger to Trump in the Republican primary. And I took those comments and I essentially divided them into three parts and I explained how both the pro-Trump and pro-DeSantis people were using and selecting components or parts of those comments that DeSantis made to either bolster, you know, one to bolster their case, you know, for Trump or to bolster their case for DeSantis. It is fascinating to me that in the 24 hours or so since that press conference and since this uh, audio clip, video clip has been making the rounds, both on social media and in the news, that it's, 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 people see what they want to see. It really depends on who's, you know, who their horse is. And there are, in a very major way, what's clear to me now, there are really two big camps within the Republican Party. And it's the Trump camp, and it's the DeSantis camp. And it's, you know, the, the mix, the hodgepodge of everyone else. That's not to say that the everyone else category, the rest of the candidates, that one or two of them could make a breakthrough and get traction and start to vie for that second place. But as of right now, that's that's not the case, and and, and almost to the to the extent that it's being viewed in, in a very binary way is, is it did 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 the events yesterday help DeSantis or did they hurt DeSantis? It's almost insane. They, they people have moved on conversationally and intellectually beyond just does it help Trump or hurt Trump to now what effect does it have on DeSantis? Now I. 
look, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball here. I don't have uh, you know, any kind of telepathic communication, but I do understand liberals. This is, uh, it's a science, right? It's, um, well, <laughs> psychology? Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, a forensic psychology of sorts. You know, understanding the liberal brain is uh, a mandatory skill if you're going to be a successful conservative radio talk show host. Because you got to get yourself inside that, that space to understand what it is that they are doing. Because the other thing that I'm hearing a lot of is, well, what is Alvin Bragg actually up to? What is he doing? What's his intent here? What's his game? And I'm getting emails from you, so I'll, I, I got several. I, I will do my best to respond to each and every one of you individually. But I, I'm looking at this, and, I, and I'll answer the question. You know, do you think this is a plan? What's his strategy? What's his desired end result? Number one, friends, you cannot underestimate how still today, March 2023, the Dems see spots, red spots, when they think of the name Donald Trump. When you go back to 2016, that election where Trump won, besting Hillary Clinton, he did something at that point in time that angered so many people, including many Republicans. I have to say this. The political establishment of this country was shook because an outsider came in, swooped in, and won it all. He won the primaries. He, 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 he trumped I'm going to use that word. He trumped Jeb Bush and other Republicans, Marco Rubio, uh, Ted Cruz. He just wiped the floor with them. And these were guys that put in their time. I mean, these are people that you know, paid homage to the process of working your way up to the place where you are going to become president. They built their resumes is what I'm getting at. They kissed the ring. Yes, that's another good way of putting it. And consequently, friends, when Trump won, when this garish, you know, gold-loving hair, you know, all over the place, outer borough, New Yorker, real estate developer, TV host, reality TV star, when this guy became president, instead of these people that went to Harvard and such, or who came from political dynasty, that, that was, for, on the Republican side, that was, that, was a, that was a tough pill to, to swallow. But when he bested Hillary Clinton, that was the end. And I promise you, imprinted in liberal brains all across this country, and as I mentioned earlier, even some establishment country club Republican minds, is this tremendous hatred, resentment, and, uh, yeah, the word vengeance comes to mind. Absolutely vengeance in, in, in their thinking and approach to Trump because what Trump did cannot be allowed to ever happen again. You cannot have a guy be given the keys to the kingdom 
who hasn't been properly brought to heel by the establishment, who hasn't been, well, hasn't been housebroken, <laughs> for lack of a better word, right? Because Trump went in and goes, oh, that, that's nonsense, and you're full of crap, and, and, and no, you, you over there, shut up. I don't want to hear from you. And all these establishment people collectively go, oh, we can't control this guy. So we have to take him out. And they did, okay? In fact, it's miraculous how long Trump was able to hold on, that he was able to withstand that kind of, of, of fervor and opposition for four years. And yes, along the way, he said some crazy things. And he didn't always exercise the best judgment. I would challenge any one of us here, and I know we have some, some of you listening, many of you are cool and collected, are wise, are not easily flapped. <laughs> well, I mean unflappable, but I, I, I move that around a little bit. But what, is, what do I mean by this? Even the best of us, imagine for a moment, you're in Trump's shoes and dealing with what he dealt with for four years. So at any rate, he survives the onslaught. But there's another component. You would think that when Trump lost, and I had many, many, many conservative friends tell me, you know, God, I just now I just want them to leave him alone. Good, good. I mean, it's fine, whatever. You know, Biden's conciliatory. He's going to be the big healer. He's that guy. He's going to be Grandpa, you know, Grandpa Joe. Uh, and he's going to just heal the country. Many of you said that. I know that. And, 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 and I get, and I get cause that's kind of what he ran on, right? So you, taking him at his word, you know, you'd think that that would be what it was going to be all about. Wrongo. See the spots that they were seeing, the anger, the vitriol, the hatred, the resentment. That was still out there. That never went away. Quite to the contrary. Not only was it important for them to prevent Trump from winning a second term and they pulled out all the stops and we know what <laughs> we know what that means. All the stops were pulled out to prevent another four years of Trump, but they're going to do something more than that. They're preventing a future Trump. And I don't mean a Trump second term. I mean they are out there to make an example of him. They want to ruin him. They want him done so that the next guy that is like Trump, that wants to be the outsider, that has the charisma and the balls, frankly, to go in and get it done and win it all, will think twice about it because his wife, his friends, his advisors, his lawyers, his accountants will all tell him, ah, 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 wait a moment. Remember what happened to Donald Trump. The Democrats out there, they want to make a cautionary tale. They don't care, like Alvin Bragg does not care if he's got a good case or a bad case. He is steamrolling in because he wants a scalp. They wants that flappy, blonde, reddish tuft of hair at the top of Trump's head. Why? To prevent any future Trump-like candidates to ever think even once about coming in and cleaning up the establishment swamp that the Democrats and their willing Republican collaborators 
have created to enrich themselves and help themselves over the years. And that's the thing. So that's the liberal brain. You have to understand this. And it's through that lens that we view this entire event. Now, folks, I got to take a quick break. I'll break this out for you a little bit more as the hour progresses. I'll give you some updates on what's going on. I have some late-breaking news here about when this is all supposed to go down. We've heard it go you know, one way or the other way. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the straight scoop in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The What's Right Show, powered by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. I, Sam Rajovsky, your host of The What's Right Show, will continue. We'll be back in just a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Your 24-7 sanity lifeline you can find it at the What's Right Show, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the app, and the Odyssey app. There we go. A lot of Apple Odyssey. All this, all these words then start to blend together. At any rate, Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, uh, speaking truth and bringing common sense conservatism here on News Talk eight forty KXNT Monday through Friday, one to three p.m. Now, uh, I begin open the show here with some thoughts and understanding where Alvin Bragg is coming from. And to sum it up simply and succinctly, the Dems want to do everything possible to ensure that not just Trump himself, a person, not get four more years in the White House, but also are doing everything possible to ensure that another Trump-like candidate never emerges. Now, what do I mean by a Trump-like candidate? I have to just make that very clear because I didn't earlier. Trump was a candidate, love him or hate him, who was really not owned by anyone. In fact, uh, the greatest lament that most people that supported Trump had or have is that he didn't listen to people. (laughs) He did his own thing, and he wouldn't listen to good advice when it came. Now, my sense overall of a candidate, for example, like, uh, let's say, Ron DeSantis, is that DeSantis is uh, uh, phenomenal, right? And he's doing so much of what we as conservatives love. He's bringing the culture fight to the ground level, right? He is battling uh, the way the left has for years, quietly taking over classrooms, taking over Uh, universities, taking over institutions in the government. He is fighting to rid those institutions of their, uh, you know, call it left-wing agendas, exacting slowly, methodically that cancer from anywhere he can in the state of Florida. And it's remarkable, and, and, and he deserves an enormous amount of credit, but he's a careful guy. He's, he, he, you know, he's very measured, And in that sense, he is, and I don't mean this politically, but I just mean this temperamentally, he's the anti-Trump on the Republican side, right? But Trump's, and I don't want to say impetuousness, but his independence, his shoot from the hip, you know, go with his gut, that is an existential threat for every single person who lives off the memories of the federal government. 
And so he's a threat. He was a threat. And anyone like him would be a threat to every establishment Republican and most Democrats. And that's that's just how it is. I mean, it's not it doesn't take a remarkable amount of political science genius to figure all this out. Right. This was self-evident. Now, to that end, when you're examining what a guy like Alvin Bragg is doing in Manhattan or the attorney general DA down in Georgia, what she's doing and all these people with the what the special prosecutor in charge of looking at the 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 <laughs> papers found at Mar-a-Lago what they're all trying to do each in their own right is take a little bite out of Trump and make anyone in the future who is thinking about being that independent candidate who is perfectly fine going off reservation think twice about doing so now um I will say this. Um, I think that this could be effective, right? Because imagine that you're, you're, you're listening to somebody in their you know, 30s or so who is looking at all this, 35, 40, you know, fairly young, right? Is going, man, I, I, I look at what they did to him. I don't think my life could withstand this kind of scrutiny. I don't know if I personally have the stomach or what they did to Trump. I don't know if my family can survive it. I don't know if my marriage can survive it. I don't know if my, my, my dearest relationships that I have in my life can survive this. So is Alvin Bragg playing some kind of 3D chess here where he is looking to, you know, take out DeSantis to help Trump because he knew DeSantis was going to react the wrong way to, I don't know, to... To, to then put Trump in so he can win the primary and then easily get def def defeated, excuse me, in the, in the general election. I don't think that's the case, folks. All right. One, Bragg doesn't strike me as a really smart guy. Now, he could be a dull instrument in the hands of some people that are smart. Uh, we certainly know he owes a little bit of fealty and allegiance to that... Uh, political donor originally from Hungary, Mr. George Soros. I, I've never met him, by the way. Fun story, though. We do enjoy, I have family in Switzerland, and I, I will frequently go to a hotel in Zurich and stay at, at this particular spot, and that, my understanding, is, is, is uh, Soros's favorite spot to stay at this particular hotel. It's called the Bauer Olak in Zurich, it's right on the lake, and um, and he loves it there. And uh, but I, we've never we've never crossed paths in the lobby. Uh, but as I understand it, we've we've actually been there at the same time and just have never seen him. Now all this said, right? This guy, he's a smart guy, and he's got an agenda. But I don't think this three D chess kind of planning here to take certain candidates throw a wrench into the Republican primary is really the primary objective. It's as simple as them being angry, angry and, and resentful and determined to never let someone like Trump back out again. Now, we come back. I'll tell you why the indictment has been delayed. Now, there's some news right now saying that there's it's imminent. The rest is going to come you know, the indictment's going to come out tomorrow and and Trump's going to turn himself in next week. But I still have my doubts about this and I want to explain to you why. 
Two words, Robert Costello. I'll explain everything when we return. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, Sam Rajovsky. Yes, that is me. You've seen my face on the billboards around town. Sam and Ash Injury Law. Yes, that's right. I'm the much less good-looking one of the two. Ash Watkins, of course, my law partner on those billboards. Uh, So you see her, and um, sorry that you have to see me along with her, I guess, is where I'm going with this. Friends, welcome back. Hot off the presses here, Daily Mail and others reporting that Trump will not be arraigned this week. Uh, Trump is expected to be indicted tomorrow, which is a formal legal term. It means that a indictment is filed with the court by the prosecutors. In this case, it could be uh, likely it's going to come from the grand jury because that is where uh, witnesses are testifying. The grand jury then deliberates in private and determines whether to return a true bill or not. And that then forms the basis for the indictment. Now, what I'm seeing here is that sources familiar with the proceedings uh, have said emphatically there will be no arraignment this week. Uh, The expectation is that Trump is going to be indicted tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, after which the DA will reach out to the Secret Service. Because imagine this, you've got a, a guy who is protected by the federal government. So, you know, they got to protect him. And now he's going to go into the custody of a state, not the federal government. It is uh, a bit dodgy, to say the least. Officers across New York are deployed. There are approximately... It's a huge department, about 36,000 New York police officers, shrinking by the day because, of course, why be a cop in a city where you catch a crook and the DA lets him out the next day? Because he's too busy going after some guy who's been out of office for two years who may or may not have paid off a lady with whom he may or may not have had an affair with. <laughs> 130K, by the way, side note, I keep bringing this up because it irks me. That bimbo, Stormy Daniels, she broke the NDA. She took $130,000 and then still blabbed. I'm, look, I'm just saying, I mean, they had her in as a witness. They brought her in front of the grand jury and they said, well, you know, Stormy, tell us everything that happened. Oh, yes, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, blah, 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 blah. Now, the other side, this is a grand jury proceeding. It's not a trial. So the DA is able to present his case very selectively, right? The DA is, is questioning witnesses and, and able to lead them in the way that he wants. Now, district attorneys, unlike defense attorneys, have a duty to be truthful, okay? They have a duty to uh, present, if possible, exculpatory evidence, From what I understand, and I heard a guy named Robert Costello, who is a phenomenal lawyer, 
once represented Trump, but more, more importantly represented uh, Cohen, Michael Cohen. He came on Tucker yesterday and talked about this, uh, you know, this uh, process of being called in front of the grand jury there in Manhattan because he was a witness on Monday, yesterday. And um, he talks about how the, uh, the, 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 the questioning there wasn't very good. In fact, it was very one-sided. Here is him, uh, Robert Costello, talking to Tucker Carlson last night. Uh, Tucker asked Costello his views on Alvin Bragg's case, the strength of the case, etc. And here's what Costello, himself a former federal prosecutor in the Southern District of New York, this is not a, you know, this is not a, some kind of dinky lawyer that Trump has kind of a, somewhat of a history hiring. He's not an over-the-hill kind of guy like Rudy Giuliani is. Robert Costello is legit. And this is what Costello said. Uh, weak, to say the least. Um, I just spent two hours or so testifying before the grand jury in downtown Manhattan. And uh, I got my point across, although it was clear to me that the Manhattan DA's office did not want to get to the truth. I need to explain that a little bit. I called them up uh, after I saw Michael Cohn on TV stating things that he said he was going to tell the grand jury and had told the grand jury that were contrary to what he told us when we first represented him in April of 2018. And here, talking further, after he explains everything that uh, Michael Cohen in his view, did. Uh, here's what um, he said further about the DA and DA's unwillingness uh, to to talk about uh, or ask questions related to exculpatory evidence that would help Trump. The DA's office didn't ask me questions to bring that up, and I I brought it up anyway. I didn't. I ignored their questions and simply gave them the information. And I told them and told the grand jury today, I was deputy chief of the criminal division of the U.S. attorneys for the Southern District. I said, I wouldn't touch a witness like Michael Cohn for any amount of money. You simply yeah. cannot rely upon this guy. And this is all true. Now, remember, Costello's important here because he represented Cohen vis-a-vis -vis his testimony originally against Trump. Robert Costello was Cohen's lawyer. And, and, and Costello, by the way, normally an attorney, I as a lawyer can never be called in to testify, uh, rare exception, but cannot be called in to testify against a client because of, of privilege, of attorney-client privilege. But that privilege was previously waived by Cohen. And Costello brought, he had the document with him. He showed it on Tucker, but he also had it when he went to court, talked to the grand jury. He had the document which since has been disavowed by Michael uh, Cohen. Cohen's just lying about everything. In fact, going back to a previous portion of the interview last night with Tucker, this is what Costello has to say about the, we'll call it the dependability of Cohen as a witness. Michael Cohen, in my uh, opinion, was lying about just about everything. I specifically told them that there were two main points that I wanted to make clear that Cohn had told us that when we first met him, that he was suicidal. Why is that important? Because when you're suicidal, thinking that that's the only way out of your legal mess, and you're presented with the following options, that you can cooper cooperate against Donald Trump, 
and provide information that would get you a get out of jail free card and you respond to us, I do not have any information on Donald Trump. And he said it many times during that two hour meeting. I swear to God, Bob, I don't have anything on Donald Trump. And he, by the way, there were other people in the room that have corroborated the story. Okay. Describes Cohen as just beside himself. He talks about him. He looks like a caged animal. <laughs> this is the part where he says that that is fascinating. While he's making these speeches during two hour period, he's marching up and down on the other side of the conference table like a tiger in the zoo, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He looked like he hadn't slept in five days. He looked like somebody who was suicidal. And every once in a while, he would stop and point at us. And when I say once in a while, he did this at least 20 times and said, guys, I want you to know, I will do whatever the F I have to do. I will never spend one day in jail. Now, here is what Michael Cohen says when asked about this by Ari Melber on MSNBC. Yeah, Cohen, that's the last place he's uh, showing himself these days, his friendly turf. Completely sold out. He's been discredited, all this stuff. The only thing he can do is turn around and attack uh, himself, attack, attack Costello. Listen. What do you make of Costello being who they brought out today? Because there's not another dope that's willing to put his you know, backside on the line for Donald. For whatever the reason Costello is elected to do this, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the guy has a career. He's got a profession, but he also has this allegiance to Rudy and, of course, to Donald that he's willing to go out there and make these false statements. Again, the reason that uh, the testimony of Michael Cohen is so important is, as I understand it, Cohen is one of the principal witnesses that is saying Donald Trump knew where this payment was going, instructed us to hide it and is essentially making that case for why Donald himself would be held responsible, criminally liable, for the way this was handled. I mean, Stormy Daniels doesn't know much. I mean, she's probably spoken to Trump at some point about this. Trump has denied everything, of course, but, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion, I want to analyze this. If the worst of the worst is said is true, then what? And on that basis, as a lawyer, as a common sense person, I'm telling you, there's not a lot here. And the witnesses they're pulling out, they got a porn star that was, you know, in cahoots with Michael Avenatti, who's sitting in jail right now. They got Michael Cohen, who's a perjuring, lying son of a you-know-what, who is, <laughs> he is a weasel. He's he literally perjured himself. Oh, I never signed. I never signed a, is what he said to the grand jury. And, he, and, he, and he, he's gone on the record with this publicly too. He said, I never signed a, a release to my lawyers, to Costello and his legal and, and his partners. Costello pulls it out. Here's the release. You gave us a release. You wanted us to talk to federal prosecutors. All right, here's the year it is. The guy either has the worst memory on the planet or he's a total fraud. And so it's getting to the point now where even some top Democrats who do not like Trump one bit are scratching their heads going, I don't think that there's much here. And I played some of those clips yesterday, but it's getting worse. And how do I read that? I read it uh, to, to I, I just, folks, I'm telling you, I don't think it's a done deal. I think Bragg is 
I think he's I think he's over his skis, and he has people uh, close to him going, "You're going to fall on your face." And remember, prosecutors who go too far can end up getting burned by their own fire. And I, the best example of this, of course, is that Nifong was that his name, Mister Nifong down in Durham, North Carolina. With the Duke lacrosse players, he was out to get them. That black stripper that said, oh, these boys, they raped me out, my goodness, and created a firestorm, ruined their lives, all of that nonsense. And uh, all that, Nifong, Robbie's correcting me. Folks, I'm ESL, all right? Cut me some slack here. I'm the king of mispronouncing everything. But I'm I'm fluent in another language that is very different from English, so just, you know, keep that in mind. (laughs) But remember what happened to Nifong? The man lost his license, got booted from his job, and spent a night in jail. Life over, right, career-wise. Every prosecutor has to think, how how much cover do I have for what I'm doing here? Because this, this can all blow up in my face. And, and no better example of that, friends, when it comes to Donald Trump, the number one Trump hater out there, Michael Avenatti, the darling of every cable news show on the left, every media person for a year. Michael Avenatti, Michael Avenatti. A crook, a liar, a thief, a disgrace to the legal profession. Jailbird is what he is. All right, just telling you, it could all blow up in Bragg's face. I think I sense some hesitancy. Now, could it be it goes forward? Of course. All right, let me play some clips when we come back of uh, some high-profile left-wing doubters of this. These are people that no doubt Bragg is listening to as he weighs what to do. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk A's 40 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. This is a funny story here before we get back to the weighty issues of the day. Uh, Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome back to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism. Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. The Murdoch family is auctioning off items of furniture. And of course, Alec Murdoch, uh, spelled Alex Murdoch, was convicted of killing his wife and son in Calton County, uh, South Carolina, and he uh, now there's a, an auction from stuff from his house, and it is, friends, well, it's horrifying. I'll tell you this. It is exactly as you would imagine items from their house looking. There's a pair of lamps with some, uh, well, I, I got to assume they're genuine, uh, tortoise or turtle shells, that uh, form the base of the lamp, a decorative base of the lamp, and then you know you can kind of imagine what that what that looks like. Uh, there is a couch that's leather with some snakeskin uh, pillows that are monogrammed uh, with Maggie uh, Murdoch's uh, initials. Uh, there's you know there's some hunting trophies uh, and and knickknacks of sorts. Uh, This auction is getting a lot of attention from folks, of course, because of the notoriety uh, that this case has generated, awareness has generated. So um, I just hope that the money from this eventually finds its way to some of the victims here. Uh, Wow. Interesting stuff, right? 
Now, Don, Donald Trump, uh, you know, I'm just, I tell you, uh, just before the break, explaining that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bragg, uh, the DA down in, uh, up in, uh, excuse me, up in New York City, in Manhattan, decides to pivot away from this. And the reason for the reason I say it is because the case is really it's weak, and he is not getting the popular response that he hoped he would. Van Jones, yesterday on CNN, got into this uh, together with Pamela Brown. Pamela Brown asked Jones if she th- if he thinks that Bragg bringing the case appears partisan. It starts you know, friendly enough to brag. And then as I take you through these comments, you'll see it starts to uh, veer off into the wrong direction. What do you say to that, Van? Because there has been some criticism that, look, the first charges against a former president and the historic nature of it shouldn't come from a local prosecutor who ran as a Democrat and was elected, that the politics of this could overshadow um, other cases, like we know the DOJ case that is going on. What do you say to that? So then Van responds, uh, is it partisan? Does it look partisan? Well, if anybody is a Republican and they have been afraid that there's some uh, conspiracy, some well-organized conspiracy <laughs> among progressives, uh, they can uh, relax now because you would not start with this charge. Uh, you would start with the charge in Georgia uh, where he was uh, interfering with elections. You would start with the charge that he was helping the insurrectionists in a coup. You wouldn't start with an eight-year-old porn star payoff Exactly. You'd bring those other cases first. You'd step out of the way. Or you're going to be like Bragg and say, I want to come first. My ego, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to put myself as a household name in America. I'm going to be the first person to file criminal charges. That's all I have. It's the best I've got. But I'm going to go through it no matter what. That is starting to look foolish, even to Van Jones. Now, uh, it gets even even better. Van Jones then says, you know, look, I, Republicans are saying that he's been overcharged. He's like, welcome to the world, right? You know, he's now going into all the Soros stuff. You know, it's important to, you know, restorative justice and whatnot. You know, look, it's, so, so a rich white ex-president is getting charged. You know, take notice. Uh, this happens across the country to lots of people. I think that's a very weak argument. It sidesteps the issue of targeting a uh, the political process, which is what these folks on the left purport to want to save at every turn. Uh, but then, finally, uh, Van Jones eventually kind of plants his flag on this and uh, and and blinks. And this is the most telling part in the whole interview. But uh, my my view about this is, uh, I think that the heat. Uh, is on this DA. Uh, I think he's going to make a very sober decision, and I would not be surprised if he doesn't step back from the brink. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't step back from the brink. I tell you, I think that that is uh, interesting and, uh, and certainly, and certainly, friends, relevant. We will follow this, of course, as the week unfolds. Tomorrow, we'll see what comes of all of this. I'm going to have some more political reactions to this in the next hour when we come back from the break. I also want to get at Fauci and Pfizer and all this mess. You folks, while we're watching Trump over here and and, and Alvin Bragg and his 
sideshow to destroy this country, uh, we have some people that really need to be held account. And I, again, want to have a broader discussion with you about how we ought to approach the COVID era. Because I think, I believe, if we let these people get away with it, if we, let, if we just give them a pass for all the, uh, I, I mean, all this evil that was done in the name of COVID mitigation, but really may have very well been uh, a, a targeted money and power grab, if we let them get away with it, it will continue to happen over and over again. And yet another reason why the 2024 election is so consequential. All right, don't go anywhere. Quick break. I'll be back afterwards. Sam Rajofsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, proud Nevada convert, the king of common sense, often often right, uh, rarely wrong. Uh, You see this. Biden used his first veto to do what, pray tell? He, He wants to save a green rule for your 401k. That's right. The Environmental, Social, and Governance Funds, also called ESG, this rule was gonna come into effect Uh, It came into effect in January, and Congress, Republicans in the House, and even some Democrats in the Senate passed legislation to get rid of this. And what does Biden do? As banks are failing, as the economy is teetering on disaster, what does he do? He vetoes it. Everything you need to know about the Biden presidency is in what happened today. They are fanatics. Not only that, though, they're completely dishonest demagogues. They get up and they tell you and I how much they care about the little guy. They care about working class people. It's the billionaires that, you know, need to get a a shiv in the side, right? Wrong. This rule is wreaking havoc on the investments of countless working people. All right. This is affecting lower middle class, middle middle class people bigly. I know they want sustainable energy, sustainable this, that, and the other. They want all of us to be riding around on on bicycles, preferably unicycles, because of course you know we don't want to spare the rubber. So we're going to only have one tire, one wheel. We want us riding around on unicycles. We want us, um, you know, barely exhaling because, of course, that's bad for the environment. No meat, you know, veggie meat because cow farts are burning a hole in the ozone. Man, when I was a kid, uh, the, the stuff that burned a, a hole in the ozone, it was, was the aerosol hairspray that everybody used in the 80s. I remember getting guilted in class by teachers it's back in middle school. And there was this, there was, I'll never forget this. Oh my gosh, this girl in class. Oh my gosh, I still remember her name. I still remember her name. Anyway, she had 
hair, and, and folks, this was this was 1980-something. She had hair that stuck straight up, and every morning she must have trained a blow dryer on it, had it blown up in the air, and in the same exact moment, doused it with enough hairspray to um, get Superman to be able to repel off a building. Yeah, it, it, unbelievable. So he, and, and it was thinking, and, and the teacher dead looking at her, her name was Leslie, dead looking at Leslie goes, and you know, aerosol, it is burning every, every of an aerosol can is killing the rainforest. And Leslie, you know, I don't know where she is now, but she's not the smartest, brightest tool in the shed, and, and she was traumatized by this. No doubt Leslie is a, a, well, listen, she may have rebelled against us and got her wits about her, but you know, I'm sitting in class, I'm bringing this home to my parents, and they are re-educating me on the, what was actually going on. So then I was, I was equipped to fight this, and I never let it get to me. But Biden here, cares about the squirrels, cares about the ozone, cares about all this stuff, it's, and it's not real, really. He cares about the globalists because he's in bed with them. And they want, they want to reorganize society in a way that funnels money. It's not about the environment, the way that funnels money to these investment banks that peddle in this stuff, who are, of course, major donors to the Democratic Party. This uh, is unacceptable, and it ought to be front-page news. But unfortunately, you know, we've, we've got you know, bigger fish to fry here with, uh, with Alvin Bragg down in, up in New York trying to uh, put, put, uh, put Trump behind bars. Now, the, the, the simple answer is to do what Trump did on this ESG stuff, Right. You, it, it, Trump put a rule in that says you, you can either have these stocks or you, you don't have to have these stocks, but we're not going to force you to have these stocks. So if you are a green person, uh, if you're like Shrek, and that is how you think and believe, and that's where you want to put your money, well, God bless you. Do your thing. Go go invest in that crap. Make some money off the backs of, of, of developing countries, by all means. But forcing people to take these stocks uh, at a time when, at a time when the economy is already on the brink, I think is tremendously problematic. So that's going on in Washington D.C. Also, friends, also there was a letter, March thirteenth, that just got released. <laughs> from the desk of the vice president. Now, if you've been living under a rock for this past little while, let me enlighten you. The vice president of the United States is none other than Kamala Harris, the laughing hyena from California. And Ms. Harris has written a letter sending her warmest greetings to a person named Dylan Mulvaney. Now, Mulvaney is, um, uh, claims to be a trans woman, which means, again, I just need you, us to all be, you know, copacetic on this uh, naming conventions here. A trans woman is, is a guy who is, wants to be a woman or is transitioned to be a woman. So, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, a woman formerly known as a man. 
I send you my warmest greetings as you celebrate your 365th day of living authentically. Uh, right at that moment, a little bit of vomit came up and uh, <clears throat> started to fill uh, the back of my mouth. <laughs> to get into too many details. <laughs> Thank you. The Vice President of the United States continues. Thank you for courageously sharing your story and your journey. I appreciate your continued advocacy for transgender equality, including during your visit to the White House last year. Then there's the usual stuff about breaking barriers, advocating for the LGBT community, inspiring young people across our nation and around the world. But it's precisely that's the problem. I, I don't need this person inspiring very many young people. I, I don't think she needs to inspire young people. I think Dylan needs to, uh, I, 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 I've seen the videos and it's the audio of it doesn't really help. You've got to see them to, to, to understand what this is all about. It's a mockery of womanhood. It is a mockery of femininity. It is a mockery of humanity. It is just, it's vaudeville, uh, comedy is what it is because Mulvaney gets up there and go, you know, just, oh my gosh, I'm in, just in the most exaggerated of tones affecting a caricature of what Mulvaney believes is womanhood. And in so doing, Mulvaney has reduced, right, the concept, the structure, the essence of being a woman to a gross stereotype because being a woman is not about liking pink or being into Barbies or putting your makeup on in a grotesque way because we all know plenty of women including my own mother who is not into any of that stuff my mother is a badass and she was married in a pantsuit that is a fact now She's a woman, right? As are other women that don't wear dresses and don't love the color pink and don't put on makeup. And that's fundamentally now, we're at the essence of it because of course the vice president here says, oh, oh, Mulvaney, Dylan, I'm so proud of you for living authentically. Authentically as a quote unquote woman. And that's, the root of the problem of the trans movement because the trans movement requires, I mean, how, how does a child, how's a child supposed to express that they're in the wrong body? Do you know this? You listen to the parents, if you listen to the, to the experts, well, you know what? Little Johnny, from the time he could first talk, he said he loved dolls and he said that he loved uh, loved to, you know, loved loved makeup, and he wanted to put, he wanted to wear earrings just like his older sister, and da 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 da. So that's how we knew that little Johnny wanted to be a girl, because that is precisely how Dylan Mulvaney conveys to the vice president of the United States and all of TikTok that she is a quote unquote woman. Yet what we have forgotten is that. For years and years, the feminist movement, rightly in, in many ways, fought for a separation of womanhood from the stereotype. And certainly, 
over the years, there have been many, many women who haven't been into Barbies, but still are women and don't immediately need to be rushed into gender-affirming care, quote-unquote, right, which is a huge euphemism for taking these kids and mutilating them, permanently scarring them and changing their lives irrecoverably, irretrievably forever. That is what this is all about. And of course, the trans happy White House would be all for this. Biden and Kamala Harris uh, are, 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 this is their number one agenda. And just like I want to keep Joe Biden sniffing nose and hands away from any of my kids, I, I, I want their agenda when it comes to children. trans-affirming care, all this stuff. I want them as far away from our kids as possible. And if you disagree with me, let me know. Sam at samandashlaw.com is my email. All right, got to take a quick break here and get a little more tea here. My voice is going out on me. Don't worry, I'll be back stronger than ever after this break. Well, if you want to watch PBS tonight... Um, your answer is probably not. Uh, you can watch a movie, American Masters, Dr. Tony Fauci, premieres this evening. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, this hour of the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve lawyers that share your values. Friends, I'm going to watch this. Maybe not right away tonight. I'll get to it eventually. As soon as I do, I will take great pleasure in uh, in chopping this up for you and giving you my take. But from the leaks that have come out, uh, I'm already bemused by this. There's a clip. By the way, this was filmed back in June of 2021. This is important because back in June, two years ago, we already had enough data to start to understand how this virus, COVID, was, was acting, was behaving. We already had data that showed that states that reopened earlier were able to get through uh, their various, call it increases, and, and then quickly die down. Remember, you had those big swells. And was, oh, my gosh, Florida's going to, everyone in Florida's going to die, and then the numbers just tanked because viruses do what viruses do. They spread, they spread rapidly, they accelerate exponentially. And then, of course, they run out of infected bodies to go after and they eventually drop way down again. So here is Fauci and then DC Mayor Muriel Bowser talking about red states and how there's this vaccine hesitancy and refusal to. Uh, wear masks and so forth. This is just terrible. In particular, you'll hear, uh, you'll hear uh, what Fauci says about uh, uh, about Republicans. <laughs> this is so good. What are we going to do about those other states? Oh my just... God! They're going to keep the outbreak smoldering in the country. It's so crazy. I mean. Okay. They're not doing it because they say they don't want to do it. They're Republicans. They don't like to be told what to do. And we got to break that, you know, unpack that. We got to unpack that. <laughs> They're Republicans. They don't want to be told what to do. And we got 
We've got to break that, he says first, and then unpack it. Now, this is, you know, what's, what's fascinating to me, of course, this is being presented as a, as a bit of a laudatory piece on Fauci, right? This PBS is going, this is a great American hero, American masters. This is a guy, uh, he deserves a credit for saving us from COVID. This man brought more misery to this country than, oh, than the virus itself. Well, then there's another clip. It gets good. Uh, Fauci's uh, guilts a woman with her family's safety, talking about the necessity to get the vaccine. Listen to this exchange. You got to get you vaccinated so that if you were to get infected, you could pass it on to them. So you're actually protecting your family by getting vaccinated. Well, well I heard that it doesn't um, cure it and it doesn't um, stop you from getting it. No. So on the very, very, very rare chance that you do get it, even if you're vaccinated, it's a very, you don't even feel sick. It's like you don't even know you got infected. It's very, very good at protecting you. Yeah, he's full of you know what. Dr. Fauci is wrong. And by the way, what I hope will happen here is as we get more of this on the record and as the Republicans in Congress reduce all of this to sworn testimony, we will know for sure that back in June of 2021, when he's telling this low-income minority woman that she's basically stupid and she doesn't know any better, that he knew better and that he knew he was lying. And side note, the reason Donald Trump won the presidency and may win it a second time is that regular people across this country have more common sense than these hacktivist experts like Anthony Fauci et al., that is a fact. Trump will win and others like Trump will win in spite of the best efforts of rogue, woke, liberal, left-wing, communist DAs like Alvin Bragg. Because people know better. They get it. They understand it. They, they in their gut, they, they, they have experience with it. They told us the vaccine's going to protect you. Protect. I have friends who... They wouldn't get near us because we weren't vaccinated. Fine, okay. They all got COVID. Some of them quite quite badly. Some of them had COVID. You know, I had it three times that I know of, and you know, the first time was pretty bad. Second time was okay. Third time was nothing. Uh, but I but I'll tell you, um, I, I know people who had it after a vaccine, and it was it was worse. This is this this hasn't. This part of it, to my knowledge, hasn't properly been vetted yet. The science isn't in. But he wasn't a scientist. He didn't act like a scientist. He was a he was a he was an activist on the take by big pharma, getting millions of dollars, not just in salary right from the government, but his side gigs. So here in the preview of, uh, of Fauci talking to skeptical people as a skeptical man, and this was fascinating. Now I'm, back, I'm up against a, yeah, let me play this real faster before. This is fascinating. This is great stuff. There's a regular Joe Schmo guy who has more sense than Dr. Fauci. The people in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now. So I'm not going to be lining up taking a shot on a vaccination for something that wasn't clear in the first place. And then you all create a shot in miraculous time. It takes years to 
Well, it, it used to take years. Okay, it used to. You know how you know how many years were invested in this in this approach? About twenty years of science to get us to be able to do it. Twenty years is not enough. And nine months is definitely not no. enough for nobody to be taking no vaccination that yeah. you all came up with. Well, he's not wrong. And turns out that this skeptical man back in June of 2021 knew what he was talking about. And Fauci, as per usual, glib, glib as can be the silver-tongued devil that he is, always an answer and a retort, but in the end, dead wrong. And people's lives many cases were ruined because of this man forgive it forgive him COVID amnesty kiss my a money money i'll be back after the break the what's right show will continue personal injury law is constantly changing uber and lyft accidents aren't like other cases but most law firms haven't kept up don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past call sam and ash 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com Email in from listener Vic uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, Vic wanted me to know that he enjoys listening to the show. He's an organ transplant. Gave up on organ uh, because of all the lunacy there. And like me, is so happy to have Sisolak out and Lombardo in the governor's office. Uh, Vic also told me uh, to keep up the good work and that I remind him of Rush Highest compliment, Vic, you could pay me. I am uh, grateful for that comparison and certainly not deserving of it. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Now, speaking of my great delight that Sisolak got booted in this last election, it's simple. If I mean, there, I have lots of reasons why. I mean, I think he's a total clown and a low IQ individual, but the most significant thing about him getting fired canned, dumped, whatever you want to call it, voted out of office, right, is that he was a shutdown governor, took his cues from Fauci, from Gavin Newsom in the Communist Republic of California, and uh, and he just wouldn't listen to reason. He's the only shutdown governor that was held to account, and it's my precise uh, point here. The drum that I will continue to beat until my my hands bleed and my my voice totally gives out on me, which is these people that did this have to be held accountable. Now, the politicians need to be held politically accountable, some of them criminally. The fact that Governor Cuomo from New York, that he can walk around with that smug mug of his that he hasn't been arrested, that Donald Trump is potentially going to get arrested for using his own money to pay off a mistress, and Cuomo is allowed to walk free after sending thousands of seniors to their certain deaths in the early stages of the virus. And I don't, by the way, I don't want to get, don't even email me. Okay, do not. I don't even want to hear from all of you who are like, well, Sam, you say the serious virus isn't serious, and now you're saying it is serious. Which is it? Come on. What a dumb argument that is. This virus was dangerous for old people and people with comorbidities like fat people, cancer patients, etc. 
particularly dangerous in the beginning, which is why the, the proper approach to this that became very clear early on was protect the vulnerable. And if you're healthy, go back to teaching, go back to working in a casino, go back if you want, go back and work. Don't just pay people to stay at home and be miserable and angry and tune, turn and tune into the news and get worked up about things and become de deranged, quite frankly. So that's my point on all this, and I have to make that connection, right? Because I, I, what Cuomo did with seniors and taking the most vulnerable people and dumping COVID patients in those homes, people that they knew were infected, was a death sentence. He's a murderer. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. The deaths of those people are on his hands. Yeah, he gets to walk around free, and, and, and Alvin Bragg is busy chasing Donald Trump. This, I mean, honestly, I believe in, in karma. I believe in justice. I have faith in this country. This is all going to turn around and, and bite these people in the, in the hind region. And what's going to happen, though, and, and this will be a – this will be very a, – a, a challenging uh, thought for us as conservatives is we're going we're gonna to want retribution. And I'm not saying it's not warranted. I'm just saying we got to be careful about it because we'll be back in power. We're going to want to go after these people for things that aren't potentially righteous. we got to stick to the righteous fights to where they broke the law and hold them accountable. And it starts with COVID. Now, just before the break, I was playing this, these snippets of a what I suspect in the end will be a very laudatory piece of Dr. Anthony Fauci, American Masters airing tonight on PBS. Oh, Dr. Fauci, you're the bestest of best. They've got some scenes of him uh, walking door to door with Ariel, uh, Muriel Bowser, mayor of uh, D.C., getting people, convincing people to take the virus. And I'm going to I mean, I'm going to be nice here. OK, but but I have to be I have to set the scene for you if you haven't seen it. They're in the hood. OK, they're walking through a, a, a less than nice part of town. Guarantee you this is not a part of town that Tony Fauci lives in. All right. I'm going to leave it at that. So they're walking around. They got a camera crew and they're hoping to capture scenes of 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 having people be nice and complying. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take the vaccine. And so they run into a, a skeptical uh, couple of people. Now, there's an, a, a, a second clip I want to play here. because It's so good. Uh, basically, they go to the house of this guy, and the guy's like, well, I just, I'm, I'm not going to take no vaccination. I ain't doing that. And Mayor Bowser of D.C. goes, well, wait, wait, wait. What if, it, what if, if everybody refused this, and then, then, then the world would end? <laughs> Everyone would die of the virus. Then he and Fauci go back and forth on COVID-19, the efficacy of the vaccines, the morality of them, and uh, also things like the flu. If it allow thousands of people like you don't get vaccinated, you're going to let this virus continue to percolate in this country and in this world. Something like the common flu then, right? And, uh, not like, not it's like much the more flu. serious than the flu. Though. Well, the flu kills a lot of people annually yeah. too. You know how many people died of the flu the last year? I mean, not this year, virtually none, but the previous year, about 20 to 30,000. You know, how many people have died from COVID-19 in the United States? 600,000 Americans. Well, you, well, that, well the, the number that you all given that died, that, that once again, 
that's you all's number. You gonna pass. Yeah, definitely. Because when, right. when you start talking about paying people to get vaccinated, when you start talking about incentivizing things to get people vaccinated, there's something else going on with that. And here's my point. This is why I'm optimistic about this country. These are not people that went to college. I'm look, I don't mean to be I'm not trying to be a a jerk, but it doesn't seem to be that this guy, you know, went to an Ivy League school. And as a consequence, he has more common sense than just about everyone that does. Or that did. Excuse me. So my, you know, the. The, the, the takeaway, my takeaway here, uh, because it, it, this is a great argument, right? Because Fauci will say, well, you know, 20 or 30,000 people died of the flu. And, you know, who died of COVID? 600,000 Americans. That was the number back in June of 21. We know that number's nonsense. We know with COVID and because of COVID never got separated. It's going to get, that number is going to get reduced way down. And remember, people dying of the flu, the consequence of the flu, that number is ridiculously low. Because it's not a, it's not oftentimes not put as a cause of death. There's other things that end up on the death certificate as primary causes. They don't test for the flu. They somebody comes in and presents with heart failure, or, or you know, or you know, there's there natural deaths that occur among elderly that are because of the flu, but they never get they they never get counted. But even twenty or thirty thousand—that's a—that's a big number, and we and people ought to be freaking out about that number in, in in theory, right? But never did until COVID came along, and it was all get Trump season. Remember what is going on? It was all of this got started just for political gain, and then some, like Fauci and others, right? They also got economic gain from it. And speaking of economic gain. Remember uh, all the politicians that were giving it French fries and money vouchers. We were doing a lottery here. Remember in Nevada, Sisolak was getting up there and putting people's name in for a raffle and you could, I don't know, win up to $5,000. Somebody here remind me what it, what it was. I, of course, I, I, it, was, it was so beneath the dignity of our state and all of the COVID crazy people. Oh, this is so great. Oh my gosh, Sisolak, our savior. Oh, I love you. I love you. Steve, right? And all those people that called me terrible things for speaking out against us, all these people have just forgotten. They've moved on. They won't admit they were wrong. So we need to keep reminding them. Oh, uh, producer Rambi's on top of this. Five million in prizes here in Nevada, including a top one million grand prize for a lucky vaccinated Nevadan. What a load of crap. Got to take a quick break. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show will continue in just a moment. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Oh, we will see what happens with uh, the Donald Trump situation. By the way, I want to go back to a little flashback, if you'll permit me. Uh, this was a, uh, a moment uh, that uh, uh, came during a uh, testimony on the Hill uh, between, let's see here, this was uh, Michael Cohen. 
getting grilled uh, by Thomas Massey. And this uh, thing here was, this was back in February of 2019. This is how long this has been going on. And it had to do with this hush money getting paid and if everything was done right on it. Because the House Oversight Committee all the way back then was trying to determine if there was a crime committed here. And eventually they decided that there wasn't. Which is an important point. But Massey here grills uh, Cohen back in February. And he asks him if he's a good lawyer. Now, I'm a lawyer. I'm a good lawyer. And one of my most important roles as an attorney is to give clients good advice. I can't just listen to every client and do what is on their at their you know mind comes off their mind. I have to follow the law and I have to help them get the best, most optimal outcome within what the law allows me to do. And I, by the way, cannot sacrifice my own uh, my own ethical standards and engage in conduct that while it might in the short term help my client, in the long term does not you know, advance my client's interests and, of course, uh, creates a problem for me, which is, of course, why uh, Cohen right now is you know, an ex-felon and also a disbarred attorney. So here's the exchange. Does a lawyer have a duty to provide his client with good legal advice? Yes. Were you a good lawyer to Mr. Trump? I believe so. When you uh, arranged a payment to Ms. Clifford, you say in your testimony, I'm going to quote from your testimony, that you did so, quote, without bothering to consider whether that was improper, much less whether it was the right thing to do. You said that, unquote. That's your testimony today. You said you didn't even consider whether it was legal. How could you give your client legal advice when you're not even considering whether it's legal? I did what I knew Mr. Trump wanted. This conversation with Mr. Trump I didn't started. Ask, I didn't ask whether you were a good fixer. I asked whether you were a good lawyer. See, no one was asking him, meaning Cohen, these questions when he was up in front of the grand jury. I guarantee you it because this is not what the DA wants out there. He wants this guy to be this great witness and reliable witness and to be able to, to hang this on Trump. But this is a great point. Now, this doesn't absolve necessarily Trump of blame, but boy, does it go to the core of understanding what a Cretan Cohen is. He's a terrible lawyer, and he's dishonest. He was willing to, I'm going to use the word, by his own admission here, he is willing perfectly fine. He doesn't care about right or wrong. He doesn't care about legal or illegal. He's willing to whore himself out to his client. This is a fool's errand, my friends. Absolutely uh, terrible. Now, I there was a story here in the news, a reason I'm coming back to this here now, because I, I think this is a, a fascinating tie-in to a local development. And the local development is that there is a... a Another lady that received some hush money here in Las Vegas. Yes, someone brought accusations against a famous soccer star. And uh, I, the story, you know, it's, Chris, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's the uh, soccer player that is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. That, that, that was, there was a lady here in Vegas who claimed that this guy, while uh, 
visiting Las Vegas back in 2009 had raped her. And it seems that her credibility was a little bit suspect. Nonetheless, uh, there was a uh, payment made to secure her silence, which is common, by the way. Famous people will do this to avoid negative publicity, even if there's not credibility, full credibility in the accusation, because you can litigate the accusation and be, you know, prevail in everything, win a civil suit, whatnot, but the damage has been done to your reputation. People here read the headline, remember the headline, and then the person is forever tied to the act that is alleged. The payment was a little bit more than what Stormy Daniels got, about $375,000. And the lawyer that helped secure this on behalf of the woman, his office is kind of between my studio here in Vegas and, and where I live. So I, I'm familiar with this lawyer, although I don't know him uh, personally. Now, I'm not going to mention him, but he's a you know, personal injury type lawyer here in town. And uh, he recently, in a scathing ruling, 18 pages that must have burned his eyebrows off, U.S. District Judge Jennifer Dorsey here in Vegas ruled that the lawyer acted in bad faith and is seeking $335,000 in penalties against him. The judge also held um, that the attorneys uh, uh, will be personally responsible for paying Ronaldo's attorneys. Those uh, were, uh, in this particular case, a guy named Peter Christiansen and Kendall Works. It is not often that these kind of rulings come down. This is shameful. This lawyer clearly engaged in extortious conduct, it seems. The judge, this order is uh, reprehensible uh, and shameful for the profession. And so, and so this brings me to a valuable point, if I may. You know, you look at a guy like Cohen and you think to yourself, you listen to him, right? And you see how he presents himself. He's got this swagger. He's got the accent, you know, New York tough guy accent. You just think, this is, this is a lawyer I would hire. By the way, shame on Trump for hiring this guy. Trump never should have hired him in the first place. But he did. Now, I'm, I operate, I'm, a, I'm an injury attorney. It's my, I'm a civil lawyer, and I represent people who get hurt. And I represent them here in Nevada and California. I have offices in both states. I live here in Las Vegas. Now, I drive on the freeway every day, coming to work, back from work around town. I have three kids, so I'm always dropping them off places. I'm driving and driving and driving. I, I drive a lot. And I see the billboards. And now, it's, this is inside baseball. You know, I, I, I know all these guys, not personally, but I know of them. I know what kind of practices they have. Now, I'm always trying to look at these billboards like I'm you, who are not in the industry and who are looking at these images, at these, at these pictures as kind of a matter of first impression. And I look at some of these guys and even some of these gals on these billboards, and I go, who in their right mind would think that that person would have my best interest in heart? <laughs> I mean, I, I just look at these people. They look sketchy, to say the least. One guy looks like he's on a casting couch for some kind of porno office deal. And I, I go, oh, this is really, I, 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 as a decent human being, would never hire that guy. 
He gives me the ick. There are some really bad lawyers in town. There are also some plenty of, of very good ones. Most of the good ones are not on the billboards. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I consider myself one of the rarest exceptions. We have a handful of billboards around town because, you know what? Um, I, 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 it's good. It's good business. But I, I, I'm, I'm bringing this up because you have to, when you hire a lawyer, any kind of lawyer, for, for a family law matter, for a tax issue, for a personal injury case, you have to go with your gut. And your, your lawyer is going to go to battle for you. Your lawyer is the one who's going to, to, to be there for you. And, and it's, it comes down to a, you know, a, a, a feeling. And you gotta, you gotta trust yourself on that. So yeah, this this case here with the yeah three hundred thirty five thousand dollar penalty that the lawyer's been ordered uh, to pay after trying to get Cristiano Ronaldo to pay more than the original payout to this lady that made this accusation against him, and the judge didn't have any of it. All right, friends, that's a show. It's a wrap. I'll see you here back tomorrow. We'll see. You know, the great arrest watch is on. Will Bragg blink? I think that'll make that my promo for tomorrow's show. Over and out, guys. I will be back manana. Have a great day.